Now, coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friends, and my partner in radio, my partner in business, Zachary Bartles. Uh, baby, we are in separate studios today, sadly. Uh, it's raining here. It's gray. That's how my emotions feel when I think of, of you far away in your, in your home studio and me here in mine. But we've got a little something on tap, uh, a, little, a little different. You know, things they say can go stale after like six, and se- six or seven years of doing a podcast together. And uh, I don't want that to happen to our relationship. And... Uh, as the Dr. David Jeremiah taught us, um, <laughs> Luke, Luke can destroy your podcast. <laughs> so biblically, I think, I think the place that Dr. David Jeremiah got to was that, um, you need to kind of keep things fresh and different so that Luke Wampus doesn't destroy your marriage or your podcast. Right. So, we should be kind of, uh, the podcast equivalent of going on date nights and surprising each should. other and stuff. Yeah. Let's get sitters for the kids. Let's go on a date night. That, that's kind of what that's kind of what this episode is, baby. And that you have some things that you're gonna that you're gonna throw at me that I don't know what they are. So um, I'm I'm all excited over here in my studio. You have things to talk about in your studio. So uh, as the host of the program, I'm just gonna say fire away. All right. Um, well, listen. I, first off, the big announcement vis a vis things. You know keeping things new and fresh and exciting. Yep. Uh, you and I had discussed this, and we are going to announce now that we are uh, bi. You know, that that we have <laughs> embraced being bi weekly in our podcast. That, that, uh, that's, that's right. Bi- bi-weekly friendly in our, in our podcast. Bi-curious, bi-weekly curious. <laughs> we were that for a while. I, w- I was actually I was actually curious this afternoon in that I was sending you all those texts <laughs> saying, "Are we are we recording?" <laughs> uh, and I was are we recording today? Question mark. So in a sense, I was curious. You were about, curious about if we were really going to be by or schedule. If, yeah. if I had, uh, yeah, you know, in in the uh, uh, the kind of fashion of every '90s uh, like cutting edge teen character had uh, yeah. said I was going to be bi-weekly and then immediately regretted it and like turned on you. I'm like, oh, leave me alone. Um, oh, I know so much angst, so many emotions. <laughs> there's, a, there's just a lot to go through today. A lot to unpack. But we, I mean, we had tried, we tried weekly last summer and uh, yeah. we both found uh, it actually cut interest in our program. Um, yep. we've tried not doing anything for like nine weeks, <laughs> long stretches of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that also kind of, I think caused interest to wane. And I think, yep. uh, bi-weekly is what we've been doing for about five apps now. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. I, I think it gives, Zach, I gotta tell you people, people seem to love it. Yes. They really do. Yeah. So, you know, welcome to us. Um, and you know, it's, it's in bi-weekly pride month that we're announcing this. <laughs> so, right. Hey, you know what? We're nothing if not a couple of progressive radio guys here. So, as as they say, we're here. We're podcasting bi-weekly. Get used to it. You know, that's right. We're going yeah. nowhere. Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Maybe 
that was a that was a great setup, by the way. That was phenomenal. What uh, what do you have for me topically? I'm dying to know. All right, so and maybe I'll give you a choice here. I I will tell yeah. you this. About a week ago, I went up on your uh, Facebook page and said, "Hey, it's been a while. Let's have you guys submit questions for Ted, and I will ask them on a future uh, Gut Check Pod app." I got a bunch of questions for you. Nice um, baby. We could either do those right now. All at once, we could do those as their own ep, like next week or something, or we could kind yeah. of pepper them in for a while uh, and kind yeah. of make them, make them last. I don't know, however you want to do it. Dude, I don't know. I, I guess in that I sort of have nothing else to talk about besides that, that sounds like a good, like an elegant solution for today's episode. Uh, unless you have other other topical things to, uh, to to sort of pepper in with those. I'll tell you what, let's, let's start them and I'll pepper things in okay. in between as, as we go. There you go. And, and, you know, in true gut check fashion, we tend to, from time to time, get sidetracked. And, uh, that never you know, happens. We, we find ourselves wandering around in the, in the funhouse mirrors that is this program. <laughs> and, you know, thing, things happen. Things will happen from time to time. Which, by the way, I listen to... Th- this, is, this is the podcast that I'm on that I listen to religiously. Like, I, I listen to these episodes multiple times. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I listened to the funhouse mirror one, man, and it was so funny. The car one. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed our own program from two weeks ago. Dude, my wife has been listening to all of the apps from when I was in Jackson, like, uh-huh. m- many times over. Like, nice. like I feel like, uh, you know, we had run into a little Luke Wampus in our marriage, but those apps kind of <laughs> breathed new life hey. and excitement into it. Baby, you know what? Anything that can combat Luke Wampus <laughs> in your marriage, in this podcast, in the church... Um, whatever it takes. And, uh, man, if, if, if it's our program, our humble little program, uh, that defeats Luke Wampus, then, uh, then all the better. Before we get to the questions, let me bring up a, a yeah. related thing to Luke Wampus. And that yeah. is the at Luke Wampus account. Or his father, Jim Wampus. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you, you mentioned relatives, but, uh, there's a, there's an at Luke Wampus Twitter account. There is. And, uh, basically mm-hmm. at Luke Wampus got online uh, began kind of weaving a tale, a narrative okay. about being okay. like on the lamb, like on the run from the Gut Check yeah. podcast. It was pretty funny stuff. Which Ele- you should be. Yeah, well, you better be. That's if right. you're going to grab up that, uh, if you're going to grab up that one and only Luke Wampus, at Luke Wampus handle. Uh, and it lasted right. all of about uh, two days, and then they gave there up. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Nice staying power there, Luke Wampus. <laughs> Possibly you know? Luke Wampus is dead, in which case... Uh, it's probably a cause for rejoicing, but uh, hopefully not the person Zach, running that account. Is there a scenario in which Luke Wampus isn't quite as formidable as Dr. David Jeremiah made him out to be? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe this whole thing just got overblown by the good doctor, you know? <laughs> Luke Wampus uh, is actually just like the kid who lives next door and blasts his music too loud. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, all alternate theory here. Maybe Dr. David Jeremiah is the one weaving the tall tale about Luke Wampus. Maybe maybe there's nothing there to be afraid of at all. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Maybe Dr. David Jeremiah registered the Luke Wampus Twitter handle. Maybe it's a Tyler Durden <laughs> the, the, situation. There the is no picture Luke of him doing that. I imagine Dr. David Jeremiah. Do you remember um, in the first Superman, like the the old Clark Kent like Supermans with Lois Lane and the the fortress of solitude that he took Lois to when he was trying to seduce her, uh-huh. um, which would be the ultimate like sedu- seduction thing. Um, that's what I imagine Dr. David Jeremiah's office looking like. 
Like with um, the crystals the, and everything? With the crystals, except with, without, you know, in, instead of Superman, it's him there just in a suit. And, he, and he's on his laptop registering the at Luke Wampus Twitter account. That's what I'm seeing in my mind's eye. And I like it. <laughs> well, he, he didn't make it last very long. And uh, I, I said, so the, I, I tweeted, so the Luke Wampus Twitter account was like a two-day joke, to which yeah. uh, uh, Davey Regeer, uh, the church yeah. curmudgeon, responded yeah. uh, that, like, of his 100,000 Twitter followers, like, 87,000 are people who thought they could do the same thing and then lasted, like, a week and then stopped. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> right, man. That, guy, that guy's been around for a while. He's, he's been at this for, what, almost a decade? Regeer? I, I don't know when he started the church curmudgeon. I can find out. I have that technology in my yeah. uh, in my te- in my in fortress studio. of solitude here. Um, there you go. I like it. It says church curmudgeon joined November 2010. Yeah, almost a decade. This wow, guy's been man. at it. Dude, a 10 year run. Honestly, I, I wonder. I wonder. Wonder what that feels like for him. Do you ever feel like there's a certain? And I'm not saying this about church curmudgeon in particular. I'm saying this yeah, in yeah, general. Yeah. There's a certain arbitrariness to like. Um, even like Frank Turk and, and a lot of people who like become really kind of prominent in one area or sub area and then a yeah. bunch of other people try to do it and you're like it just being one of the first and being therefore oh, sure. one of the few options at the beginning uh, kind yeah. of makes you de facto the most successful at a lot of things you know like the- Dude, totally I was uh, I was actually talking with KK about this so one of my one of my favorite writers Bill Simmons sports writer started the ringer he was like one of the first sports guys to the blogosphere uh-huh. all those years ago that would have been what like 15 almost 20 years ago he was one of the first guys to the blogosphere and then he was one of the first guys to podcasts. And, you know, tip of the cap to him. He does it really well. He's a good writer and all that stuff. But I, I do think a large, like, factor of his success was just being first. And, you know, it, I think it gave him more time to, like, perfect his approach. And it gave people time to, like, warm up to it. It was just, yeah, it was it was fortuitous on his on his account. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know where we fall in that kind of thing. Like, we were, I feel like we were amongst, in, in our little sub uh, culture, we were amongst the first... Uh, kind of shoestring punk rock uh, publisher type things. Uh, Zach, we're pioneers. We're innovators. We're I mean, ninjas. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, we are. We're, we're, we're on the Oregon Trail. We're pioneers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But with the podcast uh, thing, I mean, in 2014, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. anything but you know blazing trails. But still, yeah, the staying right. power I think also factors in because so yeah. many people are like that sounds fun and i even have podcasts that i used to follow and i'm just like where'd they go like they're gone yeah. and a lot yeah. of people miss them but it's people don't have the staying power yeah that's right unlike us baby we we do have the staying power and uh we're in here we're in the we're in the chair we're doing radio it's hard work you know people have no idea the blood sweat and tears that goes into making a program like this and uh i don't want them to know necessarily because i don't want their pity or their <laughs> their sympathy i just want them to enjoy the program but uh at, at the same time knowing how hard we work to bring it to them now blood sweat and tears but to be fair most of the blood and tears belong to luke wampus that's and they will belong to luke wampus if i ever catch him <laughs> uh in person it will be ugly let me bring some questions your way then um, yeah. So, baby, you uh, you hopped on Face B and you just asked like my followers if they had questions for me. Is yeah, that how this works? You're one point one thousand followers. Baby, that's incredible. That, there's so many of them. Yeah. Tip of the cap to those people, man. Tell them I said thank you. Well, I feel like you're kind of are telling them now, but all right. Um, I will obviously post a link to all uh, these episodes in which you answer these questions on your page. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So, guys, Ted says thank you. 
Um, mm. And these are in no order. Uh, okay. Uh, or they're in backwards order. I think they're in... Facebook's doing this thing. You don't know because you wisely got off it a while ago. Um, yeah. Where now nothing is in any order. Like, you click your notifications, and the first one's mm-hmm. from four minutes ago, the second one's from 14 hours ago, the third one's from seven minutes ago. And you're like, what? So I feel I like that would be really aggravating. I, I don't know that I like that. Everything about Facebook is aggravating, and it, it, mm. the there, there are reasons I'm not getting off, but they seem less compelling every day. Um, I hear you. All right, so let's let's do some questions. Though. Uh, let's do it. Let's jump in. Let's start with Will Watson. Will. Willie. Willie. Willie bag situation. Uh, the <laughs> Willie Watson right. situation is this. If you could restore one football stadium from history and have a draft in which your Jackie Moon, in parentheses, player, coach, GM, owner, uh, which stadium are you playing in and who is your first pick? Ooh, I love it. Okay, okay, a little backstory. Uh, I just showed my kids that movie, Semi-Pro, the Will Ferrell movie in which he is Jackie Moon, mm-hmm. uh, where, where he plays a player, coach, and an owner of a, like a failing pro basketball team. I got to tell you, very, very funny. Funnier than I remembered. Also, a horrible parenting decision. <laughs> like, I really, I got, I got about halfway in, and, and we were, we were kind of too far in to stop. But I was like, man, this is inappropriate. And it was while KK was in Dubai, but before you came, and I was just kind of like <laughs> showing the kids a bunch of comedies, just throwing them, throwing them all kinds of comedy. Very funny movie. So if I could pull a Jackie Moon and be the player, coach, owner in an old timey stadium that I would restore. That's a great one. I, I think what I would do is restore Soldier Field in Chicago to like its 1970s, 1980s glory. So none of the modifications, none of the new stuff. Uh, I would go back to the old like carpety AstroTurf that they had in the 70s and 80s. Um, and I would be on the team, which would be which would be thrilling. It'd be incredible. And I've always wanted to play. I wanted, The guy I wanted to play with most in my life was Walter Payton. Um, star running back of the Chicago Bears, played from 75 to 87. He's in the Hall of Fame. He was my hero, my idol when I was a kid. Uh, loved Walter Payton, loved the Bears, loved that era, loved the uniform. Uh, that, that would be it, man. That would be the dream. I would, uh, I would go all Jackie Moon uh, on, on Soldier Field and the 85 Bears, and I would draft Walter Payton. Wonderful. That was, you you were very ready with that. <laughs> yeah, dude, it didn't, it didn't take me long at all just because – you know, another one, though, another one that I would restore is uh, a stadium that they tore down, actually. So we made a movie about this. We made a movie about the Silverdome, but kind of the stadium of my youth that they tore down was called the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. And you probably started going to Indianapolis for stuff like after they had already torn the Hoosier Dome down. But um, it was awesome, man. It's where I grew up going to games. I actually played there in high school. My high school team got to play a game in the Hoosier Dome. Huh, uh, which was cool. a thrill. So that that would be, yeah, it was super cool. I threw up in, in the locker room at halftime because I was so excited. It wasn't even like nervous throw up. It was just like I'm having so much fun. I hyperventilated and I, <laughs> and I threw up. Um, and I actually hyperventilated and threw up the first time I went there as a child in 1984. I was eight years old, went for my first Colts game. So I've got a lot of uh, a lot of hyperventilation stories from the Hoosier Dome. So maybe I would restore that one, actually. that That's a contender as well. Wow. All right. Zero hemming and hawing from Ted Cluck here. Ready to go with answers. Uh, and I want to... Maybe I can hem and haw more if you'd like. No, I just want to point out to the people that you didn't get these in advance. Like, this isn't... No, I just... I love football questions, man. I love the football questions. Ooh, there's some more in here somewhere. Uh, but this one's okay. from the fourth Dave, Dave Mitchell, who, by the way... Dave. Dude, a little, uh, a little uh, development after the last app dropped. Uh, breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking uh, funhouse mirrors. 
exactly. <laughs> there was a tweet from Gut Check Legal. Ooh. A post-retirement. Dave Mitchell. The fourth Dave is like a boxer who like retires and unretires a whole bunch of times. He's like the George Foreman of uh, of of tweeting and of being a fan of ours. So, uh, Dave, <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back to the fold. I love it. And in this case, it's it's like uh, the boxer retired and was like, I don't think I can go uh, the, the number of rounds needed, you know. Uh, and we were like, That's no, right. you can just come in every once in a while and throw a jab or two. And he was like, oh, Absolutely. if I can do that, then <laughs> fine. So you know what you know what just occurred to me. Hmm. Dave Mitchell is like the the Sam Mayday Malone of the podcast in that, like sometimes when when dominant baseball pitchers reach like the end of their career, they become relievers. Like they only uh-huh. have to come in and throw an inning here or an inning there, or even like face one or two batters. I feel like Dave Mitchell is that guy. Like he couldn't do the blood, sweat, and tears really anymore that we do. He doesn't have the kind of endurance and staying power that we have for this business, which is such a grind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an up at dawn, pride swallowing siege, which we will never fully tell the listeners about. But suffice to say, Dave Mitchell, the door is always open for you to come in and be our, our made him alone, our relief guy. Um, you could throw a couple innings, face some batters. We love it. By the way, dude, did you realize I know you, you dumped Netflix because Cheers was on Prime? And yeah. I was toying with it and then realized only nine seasons of Cheers are on Prime. Seasons 10 and 11 are on Netflix. Uh, Dude, really? Yeah. In addition to all the other seasons are still on Netflix? Yeah, so how weird is that? Interesting. What? That's very weird. I don't feel like often shows are on both platforms, but maybe this is a new a new development in the business that I'm not aware of. It's such a, it's such a uh, standard, you know, classic show. It's almost like, are you really a streaming network if you don't have Cheers? Are you yeah, are you I, anything? I like that. I like that Cheers is the gold standard of like having shows on your streaming platform. You know what I mean, dude? Have Have you watched all the way through at any point? Uh I I know I watched all the way through yeah, like years ago. Uh-huh. Um, like I've I've seen those old episodes, but I I feel like so I'm working my way through now, and I feel like when I get to the end now, it's gonna be it's gonna feel all new. You know what I mean? It's gonna feel really new to me, and I'm excited about that. Where, where are you at this point? Dude, I'm early because KK doesn't really love watching Cheers. She likes Frasier instead. So we've been watching a lot of Frasier together. So really, it's only when I can't sleep that I watch a bunch of Cheers. Uh, so okay. I think I'm in like season two. Okay. Um, Why? You seem disappointed, babe. No, no. I was just going to I was gonna talk to you about something that's going on where Aaron and I are. But I don't uh-huh. want to because if you've kind of forgot that it happens, I don't want to like spoil it for you. So Interesting. What character does it involve? Just, uh, just Carla. tease it with that. Involves Carla. Carla. Interesting. Interesting. All right, man. Well, once I get a little deeper in, I'll, I'll let you know and, and we can revisit that. When topic. the thing happens, yeah. give me a call. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So the fourth Dave says, if you had the chance to revise slash reissue a new edition of one of your past books, either wholly mm. yours or one you contributed to, which one would it be and why? Wow. Now, that's a that's a really thoughtful question. And I will have to do some hemming and hawing about it, maybe. Um now, Zach, let me ask a follow-up question. If I could have the option in the within the parameters of the fourth Dave's question to remove one of my books from the marketplace entirely, <laughs> could I could I do that? I, I, I'll allow it. Okay, uh, if you'll allow it, then the the modification I would like to make is to take the Bridezilla of Christ out of rotation entirely. That's a book that you wrote with Ronnie Martin. Yep, with Ronald J. Martin. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of those, and and you've probably had this experience with a publisher. So like we did, 
we did a book with this publisher that was actually pretty good. Um, Finding God in the Dark. I think I liked that one and, and Ronnie liked it and it sold decently well. And the publisher was like, hey, you guys ought to do another book together. And that was, that was in Ronnie's phase of like, he was throwing out a new book idea like weekly, you know, and I was still freelance back then. I didn't have the academic job. So it was kind of like I, I needed I needed to keep the pipeline full. And I felt like if he was willing to do all the legwork of doing the proposals or whatever, like I would just do them. And uh, we ended up doing that book. And I, I, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure either of us were really that dialed into it. So so that's one that that I would like to modify by removing from the marketplace forever. Now, another one that I think could really use a cover a cover art upgrade. Okay. Uh, it is is why we're not emergent by two guys who should be, which I wrote with, um, you know, a little a little tryhard pastor. You probably haven't heard of him named Kevin DeYoung. Oh man, um, God bless that kid. So people can they can Google him. They can maybe, you know, find the little the little parish where he's serving. But uh, but anyway, uh, DeYoung and I wrote this book, and I remember the cover art being like seizure inducing at the time, but it, it kind of fit for the time. It was like. <laughs> early to mid 2000s when everything was a little bit garish and over the top but that book has since like it does all kind of all kinds of business in like foreign markets so every once in a while I'll go to the 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 mailbox and I'll just find like oh it's why we're not emergent in Russian or why we're not emergent in Portuguese and without fail every other cover is better than the actual cover (laughs) um so maybe moody publishers could take a nod from like you know, the little Portuguese publisher that's uh, that's doing Why We're Not Emergent and, and revamp that cover a little bit. What's nice about those is, I mean, you get no money per book on that, but my experience is that with those those kind of uh, rights being sold, you get like a one influx, right? You get, mm-hmm. you know, a chunk, which you don't it's have to not do any more work for it, though. I mean, I mean you don't yeah, have to do anything no, for it. Yeah, it's nice. It's, it's, it's super nice in that you don't have to do anything for it. And, and honestly, like... The little emotional bump that it provides is is probably worth more than the cash influx at the end of the day. Just like, oh, here's my book. I wrote it 10 years ago. It's all like nicely shrink wrapped and it's in like, you know, Russian, which looks pretty cool. So another one for the shelf um, in the, uh, the study. Yeah, another there, one yeah. for the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Let me, let absolutely. me read you a little uh, blurb uh, about okay. the Bridezilla of Christ. Uh, oh, no. This is okay. this is one you find uh, actually right on the, the flyleaf, you know, right right on the front page there. Judas Priest, there's nobody on campus, and there's somebody knocking on my door. Hang on. Hold my hold that thought. All right. Hey. Sorry to bother you. Oh, it's okay. I'm actually recording a podcast right oh, now. I'm sorry. No, no worries. You should hit, hit me up on email and come, come back next week. Okay. We'll set a time, okay? Okay, great. Cool. Sorry about that. Baby, I'm back. Sorry about that. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah, guy? yeah, totally. Okay, so, and maybe leave all this in, maybe, maybe not. We'll see how my conscience feels. But uh, Okay, so let me, let me paint a little picture for you. Here's the picture. It's summer. Uh, the building, my office building is completely dark. I'm here because I'm meeting Tristan to work out at our gym on campus a little bit later. Uh-huh. And he's going to be coming from a certain part of town, and I was doing something down here already, so I just I just hung around in the office. My our office suite is completely dark. My light is turned off, and my door's closed. And <laughs> knock knock. And I, and I yeah, and knock knock. That's right. So I, I get a knock on the door, and um, it's this. I'm, I'm going to whisper because I'm afraid he's like doing the thing where he's standing right outside the door, making sure we're not talking about him. But uh, 
So it's this this older like Scottish guy. It's the guy. Who, it's the stalker. It's the guy. Yeah, this is the guy. Oh my this gosh. I was yeah, just thinking yeah. about that guy not that long ago. I was going to ask you, actually, that's on my notes for a stalker update. Dude, it's fascinating because it kind of it kind of went away for a little while. Uh-huh. And and now it's back, man. It's totally, totally back. And he's um, he's a, he's a, in many ways a sweet old guy. Retired, let's see, I think he was a like a philosophy adjunct professor at some other Christian college. And maybe he pastored for a little bit. But, um, you know, he's trying to trying to work me for publishing contacts and all that. And the kind of thing he wants to do is, is the kind of thing that I don't really have any help for anyway. But um, but but yeah, so it's 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 kind of worked its way back around as those things are are want to do. But um, have you gotten yeah, any better man, at saying crazy. no to that thing, Ted, to, to that? Sort I, of... I well, that that's the funny thing, Zach. I have gotten better at saying no and I have said no. But in this case, it hasn't really taken, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, do you ever do you ever find that? I feel like you're better at saying no in a more definitive way. Whereas I say no, and the person hears, well, yeah, maybe, you know, <laughs> like like I say no in like as definitive a way as I know how to say it, and and they hear, well, yeah, I'll I'll check back again in a few weeks, and maybe like. The, the the door has reopened or the perspective has changed or whatever. That reminds uh, me of uh, Dumb and Dumber when he when uh, she's like uh, actually one in a million and he's like so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I love it. It actually reminds me of Tommy Boy where um, Tommy's he's going out to sell for the first time uh-huh. and he's trying to pump himself up. And he's like, I'm not going to take no for an answer. And then they cut immediately to <laughs> yes. the montage of everybody telling him no. And he's like, dokey. Yeah. <laughs> he like walks into the glass wall on his way out of the office. But, yeah. I need more Tommy Callahan's in my life to, to hear when I say no. <laughs> Baby, what were we even talking oh, about? Oh, I was about to read you a little blurb here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a blurb from the Bridezilla of Christ, which is the one book that I would take off the market completely. And it's it's not a it's a pretty glowing uh, little uh, assessment. It says this book was simultaneously all that I hoped and not at all what I expected. Without throwing the church <laughs> under the bus or minimizing the hurt that can be caused in her midst, Clock and Martin share their hearts, their scars, and great insights for believers who may be tempted to write off the church for good. And that is uh, by one Zachary Bartles, author of The Last yeah, Time. Right. I was going to say, it sounds familiar. It's, uh, I'll, I'll say this about it. It sounds familiar, and it, and it is very warm. It's very gracious and glowing, and I appreciate you doing that. But it, it lacks the usual, like, the total over-the-top verve and enthusiasm that I can read into it when I know you've really enjoyed a book. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? okay. It's a little workmanlike. It's yeah. a little, like... Yeah, it's uh, a little workmanlike, yeah. Back-scratch, uh, you know, uh, exchange kind little, of thing, yeah. Yeah, a little quid pro quo there, but uh, it's okay, man. I do appreciate the blurb. And and maybe maybe, maybe this will be unprecedented. Maybe to take it off the to the shelves completely, we need blurbs for that. So <laughs> we... we, need, we we need a page full of people saying, you know, in retrospect, <laughs> this wasn't Ted or Ronnie's best work. <laughs> I still love Ted and Ronnie. You know, maybe, though, maybe we should revisit having this in the marketplace. I don't know, man. That would be a the first blurb of its kind, you know? Dude, I, I think like you need that. to get everybody who wrote one of these blurbs for it to write one against it. And that includes Barnabas Piper and a number yeah, of who people. who are we looking at there? Um, yeah, who else? Who else blurbed it? Let's see here. I just... Uh, oh, I didn't close it. We got... Uh, 
Barnabas Piper, Zachary Bartles. Oh, you know what? Some pages are yep. omitted from the book preview. Oh. I'm on uh, Google oh. Books and I can't see all of them. I, if no I worries. if I cared enough to run upstairs and grab my physical copy, I could tell you. But uh, no, don't care that. Yeah, much. I don't care that I'm, much. I'm telling you not to care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, because it's not a crap book, so I don't care enough yeah, to no, want to scrub it off. It's fine, and that's what it was. You know yeah, what? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It is the mm-hmm. uh, Creed Two of books. Dude, it's totally the Creed 2 of books. And that's okay. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I agree. Like, if Creed 2 was on, like, cable tonight, I would I would watch it. But um, but I'm not, like, going out of my way to watch it. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. I mean, you've written three sure. dozen books. You're going to have some that aren't the best thing in the world. Dude, right. You're going to have some that you're more or less stoked about. So that's a, that's actually a really good question from the fourth Dave. Let me ask you this, uh, so too. So tip of the cap to him on that. Yeah, yeah. Why is it that I haven't been asked to blurb the follow-up to... Uh, the uh, graphic novel. I feel like I have. Dude, to are we are we doing blurbs for those? Did we do blurbs on the first? You one? did. I remember you were you were highly touched by mine. Come on, dude. I was. Let me let me actually. <laughs> I'm actually gonna go to in my studio. I'm gonna and there's gonna be some like sounds of things being moved about in the studio. Are you still there? I am um, not really hearing much. I'm hearing like like that kind of thing. Oh no. That's not good. No, no, I hear you. Uh, I hear you now. I'm I'm pulling this off my shelf, and I'm gonna look at the blurbs. But yeah, dude, if there's an opportunity for that, I absolutely you want. I absolutely want you blurbing. Oh, I'm kidding. The there's no movie. point in having the same people blurb the sequel as did the first one. I mean, dude, see, I hate, gotta get some I different hate the names. whole idea of blurbs. Yeah, but I I can't even find where the blurbs are. Where are they? Are they, are they in the back? I don't know. Honestly, I think that they probably had just put a couple of the best name blurbs from the first book in the second one. That's how they do it with the yeah, sequel. Yeah, I think right? they probably will. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, When's that, that, that come out, man? And what's it going to be called? Uh, I think in the fall, but maybe the spring. So <laughs> that's, me, that's me not knowing really when it comes out. That's half the possible seasons, the yeah. <laughs> that, that's or, right. or the winter or, or also, summer. I don't know. To be fair, though, yeah, to be fair to the winter and summer, it could be then. <laughs> it could be that, too. <laughs> uh, all right baby i'm back no but what's it gonna be that called do you know do you know and and uh like people are looking forward to this thing let's dude yeah and i'm looking forward to it being out because i had a blast writing it it's called uh it's called theater kid so it's all about like flex's uh trials and tribulations and like doing a play for the first time because he wanted to he wanted to be near uh a chick who was doing the play so um that's awesome so dude. yeah it's it's funny, man. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I actually think it's funnier than the first one. Well, I couldn't um, believe when you told me that the illustrator was like blood relative of like someone high up at the publisher. I was like, seriously? Because it was just about the the best possible match of, of just oh, yeah, dude. artistic I, quality and style for that book. It was great. Yeah, I thought he did a phenomenal job. I really loved it. And I can't wait to see what he does with the next one. I haven't seen the drawings yet, but uh, but, but yeah, I'm stoked about it for sure. There's some good, like, kind of low-key bad guys in the next one. There's sort of a... There, there's the kind of theater kid who... He's sort of, like, half English major, half theater kid. He, like, carries around, a, a, like, a canvas New Yorker tote bag and, like, a ceramic coffee mug, and he's super smug. But, um, I don't know, stuff happens with their with their relationship, and it, it's got a little redemptive arc to it. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I'm stoked. Everybody uh, needs to get out and get a copy of the first one before, and that's The Extraordinary Life of a Mediocre Jock. And uh, give a copy, gift a copy to uh, the uh, young reader in your life. 
or or the yeah, older thanks, reader. Baby. There, that's that's a great one. And uh, yeah, so let's let's get back to uh, more uh, navel gazing with Ted Cluck. Let's do it, Daniel. Dude, not to yeah, not to like blow my own shofar on that book, but I actually had uh, <laughs> show it up, man. I, I I had people reach out to me and be like. Hey, this book was laying around my house, and my dad's never read a book in his life, and he read it and like laughed out loud. So, so there are even like some old people who enjoyed who enjoyed Flex, the, the extraordinary life of the mediocre. Journey. My son has read it a crap ton of times, and he laughs really loud. He laughs like me, super <laughs> loud, and he's laughing. He laughs out loud every time. Uh, in fact, That's I, awesome I had me. printed the whole thing out when I was reading it before I blurbed it, and yeah. I gave him that. And then when uh-huh. I got my copy of the book, I gave him that, and I found he had a the, like the printouts still. And I was like, I'm going awesome. like, to recycle this. He's like, no, I want to keep that, too. <laughs> Aw, like, tip right. the cap to him, man. What a guy. What a guy. He'll like the theater one, too. That's a great. I and mean, it's a nice little fish-out-of-water element to it. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome, sure. man. I, I, that's that's going to be really cool. And, and I love the picture. I think I showed you this. On your Facebook page, there was a picture of these two kids just, like, dying reading it. And the, uh, and the Dude, mom... you did show me. That was awesome. That was really awesome. More, people on Ted's Facebook page, more of that stuff. Because when even though Ted doesn't run it, he sees the good stuff from it. Whenever we get together, I give him kind of a little PowerPoint update. Um, <laughs> exactly. You do a little presentation. <laughs> we, we like, rent a boardroom in a hotel and, uh, you know, like a ballroom, and you, you set up the chairs and, and the PowerPoint. Yeah. But I actually do show him the good stuff. So, so like, if you put something oh, up sure. there, he'll, he'll see it. Uh, and and uh, he if it's something that he responds to, he'll respond to it. So, yeah, that's... that's Absolutely. Uh, definitely encouraged. Okay, so Daniel Collins. Danny. Danny. Okay, I mean, at this point, do I need to pause for the... No, probably not. Um, <laughs> could you suss out the difference? All right, got to just say this. I said questions for Ted. A few of them are kind of for both of us. Um, that's Okay. Could you suss out the difference between old school gangster special treatment and the special treatment enjoyed by the Crane brothers in the show Frasier? When you guys speak Ooh. of excess and decadence, I always picture Frasier in Niles Crane. Off, I'm sorry. I always picture Frasier. I think it's supposed to say Frasier and Frasier and Niles sure, sure. Crane off at pretentious Seattle restaurants. So I would be mm. interested in this conversation and getting to hear which type of special treatment you prefer. Interesting. Okay, dude, so I'm, I'm going to take a stab at this, and then I, I want to hear you on this, too, because uh, because I know you have thoughts on it. So what he's referencing, and I think what we both resonate with, is like when we watch movies like Goodfellas or The Godfather or whatever, and guys are like slipping $20 bills to guys and their handshakes, and they're, they're circumventing lines. They're going in through the back of the club. Uh, they're getting preferential seating, preferential treatment. Like, that's the magic to me of the gangster movie. Like, that's the kind of thing that I resonate with. And I think the gangster movie kind of preferential treatment, it comes primarily from two things, fear and awesomeness. In that, like, when when early Goodfellas Henry Hill was, like, taking his lady to the Copa and all that stuff, and he had the money and he had the swagger, and, like, he was at the top of his game kind of. People were in awe of how awesome he was, but they were also a little bit afraid of him. And as a result of those two things, he got the preferential treatment. Now, as much as I love Frasier, the show, and as much as I love the characters of Frasier and Niles, I feel like they're primarily getting the preferential treatment just because they can pay for it. You know what I mean? So it's like they're doctors. They've got a lot of money. Um, Frasier's a little bit of a celebrity, but in the show, like the the, the sort of meta – uh, overarching joke is that he's a, a puffed up bloviating kind of douche, right? Like he's, he's overblown 
the idea of his own celebrity, and that's a joke that recurs on the show. So I, I think for Frazier and Niles, it's more like just they can pay for it. You know what I'm saying? But I, I want to hear you on this. What are your thoughts? What's interesting is that uh, in Cheers, Sammy has a similar thing. The kind of yes. expectation of special treatment, and then so many people have forgotten him, and and, yeah. and his his star is you know descending at this point. Kind of faded a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Frazier almost kind of when when he moves to uh, Seattle, he, that that character gets his own show. He sort of envelops that aspect of of the Sam yeah. Malone character. And you know what's funny? I we were we were watching an app not that long ago, and I will I'll, I'll I I realize I'm parent I'm going four deep parenthetically. Um, yeah, uh, and there are so many differences between Frasier and Cheers, and Frasier and yeah. Frasier, including that Frasier's mom on Cheers is like this vindictive, <laughs> cold, mean lady who literally threatens yeah. Diane's life. And whenever they remember yeah. her on Frasier, she was this sweet lady who loved everyone. Uh, Frasier's oh, yeah. dad on Cheers is a now deceased scientist yep. uh, who pressured him to not mm-hmm. go into acting but rather to go into psychology uh psychiatry and in uh yeah. in Frasier of course his dad's a beat cop who's you know super down to earth and awesome so yeah it, it's interesting when you talk about Frasier you got to delineate which one you mean obviously he means in the show Frasier uh and yeah. that Frasier is a little bit more a lot more pompous and entitled um he would never sit I mean there was that one episode where he like went to a very cheers-ish bar but in general yeah he would never, you know, waste away his life sitting there sipping beer, which he often does on Cheers, uh, with yeah. with these normies. Um, yeah, he was way more down to earth on Cheers, and it seemed like on Cheers there was like an aspect of that sort of gritty blue collar life that he wanted to connect with. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in Frasier, he it's almost like he wants to put distance between himself and that. Like it's it's always the super high end places in Frasier. I mean, he is friends with Roz and Bulldog and, and Daphne and everybody, yeah. but yeah, he, he does yeah. look down his nose. Uh, I don't like that kind of special treatment at all. I like, don't either. No, yeah, thank you. I don't either. That's a fun character yep. to watch uh, because, uh, you know, he gets himself into these situations, but not one I connect with. I, I'll take all day long the like, uh, you know, show up at the back door of the club and get whisked Absolutely. in yeah totally that's uh, that's the kind all day long that's the special yeah, treatment love language is what that is that's absolutely and and let me be clear in saying and this maybe goes without saying but i'll say it if anybody wants to give us <laughs> any kind of that special treatment uh throughout the the unfolding journey that is this program or future live shows or any any kind of preferential treatment moment that you could imagine listeners uh we are we are here for that and also what a great question by this guy um, that was a really insightful question and really important. I feel like we're doing important kind of academic research. Um, we're, we're delving deep into some topics here, baby. This is good stuff. And, you know, since uh, we have been talking about television, let me just pause between questions and share something with you and get your, your uh, yeah. in fact, let me turn it into a little bit of a trivia question. Uh, yeah. I recently learned that during the early 90s, mm-hmm. uh, there was a pre-production uh preparation getting together television adaptations of two movies one was turner and hooch remember that okay yeah uh it was about a dog and a cop and it starred tom hanks one was dead poet society uh which you remember as an absolute turd uh starring the late uh good not late great but the late good robin williams who 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 made us laugh on occasion um yeah 
Now, both of them fell through. Both of them were offered to a particular actor who later got his own series. And he turned them both down because he felt like they wouldn't be successful. And I want you to guess who that actor was. Okay. And I'm I'm totally guessing here. Mm -hmm. Like, I... You, you know, and, and the listeners know this, but you know way more about television than I do. Um, you, you just, you've got more knowledge in that than, than me. But I'm going to guess, I'm just going to guess Ted Danson. Um, just because he was, he was really kind of popping at, the, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have seen him. I could see him more on Turner and Hooch. Like, I could see a, a cop buddy comedy about a cop and a dog with Ted Danson as the cop. I feel like I Ted Danson would less. do better than Tom Hanks in that role. I feel like he would have. I would watch that. Like I'm talking myself into it as I talk about it, but I can, I can very much less see Ted Danson in a, in an academic setting. So maybe that's not the right answer. I mean, maybe it's Kelsey Grammer, right? I mean, maybe, um, maybe Kelsey Grammer could do a dog and, and cop thing and he could definitely do the academic smug bloviating thing. So I don't know, baby, lay it on me. Now, by the way, if, if you have you seen any of The Good Place? I've not, no. It's a very funny show. It's still on now. And, and uh, the Ted Danson that stars in that absolutely could okay. pull off being Keating. Um, Interesting. But it's, n- it's neither of those guys. Both good guesses. It was actually yeah. Tim <laughs> Allen. What? <laughs> I don't know what the world anyone was thinking. It was before That's he had uh, Home Improvement. So it was like he was a stand-up, yeah. and they were looking for a vehicle for him, and they tried to sell those yeah. two things to him, and he was like, no thanks. And then they gave him, you know. Dude, no, no disrespect to Tim Allen. And if he's listening, and, or <laughs> if his family, if they're listeners to the program, like, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. But, like, he was not funny, and his show was not all that funny. <laughs> and it was just sort of a product of, like, I, I think that show was a product of a very sort of, tried and true 90s formula of having the dad be the idiot and having the mom be really clever and having the kids be kind of sassy and like they just threw they threw all that stuff at it and and it worked somehow like i watched the show as a kid in the 90s like i remember watching home improvement and and being mildly entertained by it but uh but yeah i can't believe he was getting those kind of offers that's crazy and and, uh, i'll tell you one thing that i did like about home improvement is that Mm -hmm. through that early kind of not even press uh, action, but like it was like an actual tour where Al Borland, uh, whoever that, no one knows that guy's name. um, Who was like, like condemned to spend eternity hosting like crappy game shows after that. Uh, Like toured malls throughout America and came to our sad half dead mall in Essexville, Michigan. Um, Yes. And with him, Lisa, the tool girl, which was Pamela Anderson. Um, Whoa. and I met her and I have a picture of me and her together. Dude. Now see, that's incredible. <laughs> that's really incredible. And actually I think Al Bor, the guy that played Al Borland was low key, like the only funny person on that show. I liked Wilson. Like you actually Wilson. Yeah. Wilson. You only saw like the top half of his face. Was yeah. That the yeah. The guy next door. I the, like- the right guy. Yeah. That guy was funny too. Um, but yeah, Al had this real sort of existential sadness to him where like I, I felt like he knew he actually knew he was smarter than, than Tim Allen's character but he, he always kept that under wraps and he never said anything about it and it, and it kind of worked but uh, and it might have been that just yeah. the actor knew he was too good for that show and that was kind of bleeding exactly. through he's like I did Shakespeare on Broadway last year dang it this is not who I am and I was good I got a call back for Goofy <laughs> yeah exactly 
Uh, I thought that oh, you man. would uh, be perplexed and entertained by that little nugget. The idea of a Dude, Keating... I was both perplexed uh, and entertained. Keating as Tim... Tim Allen as Keating is just like... I kind of want to see it now, you know? <laughs> I, I actually don't... I, I don't like that guy's... Really, anything he's done is Christmas movies are bad. Like, no. the only thing I like is yeah, uh, Toy Story. Yeah. Yeah, and he was just the voice of somebody in that, right? Which which one was he the voice of? He was of Buzz Lightyear story? opposite Turner and oh, Hooch's yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks. That's right, man. That's right. Wow. Fascinating, dude. <laughs> Fascinating. All right, let's, get, let's do another question here. We've got a, yeah, we've, we've, we're uh, 44 minutes in. I think we're probably going to turn this into a couple eps worth of, of questions here. Absolutely. Maybe one more, and then we can and we can land the plan. Yeah. Uh, Connor Clark. At Connor. <laughs> Asks, if you had to choose to write a book with Michael Hyatt, Brian McLaren, or Carmen, who would you write oh, with and Judas. why? And then a follow-up question, Ooh. if you had to go to dinner with one of these gentlemen, who would you choose oh. and why? Oh, dude, this is this is good, man. Michael Hyatt, Brian McLaren, or Carmen. Or Carmen. <laughs> um all right, all right. So, I'm going to I'm going to him and haul a little bit. So, here here's the deal. Um if I had to do a book with any of them, I would probably do Michael Hyatt for a couple of reasons. One, I've, I feel like I've already channeled Michael Hyatt in a little project that we did that, that sold very poorly. And I'm very bitter about it. Very, very bitter. <laughs> um, the book is called Mega by Chaz Marriott. Uh, Chaz's character, Chaz's whole persona was uh, in many ways crafted on that of Michael Hyatt's. Just kind of the permagrin, cheesy um baby boomer of indiscriminate age doing sad like marketing things with a major um, hotel chain last name <laughs> with a major hotel chain exactly so i i feel like i'm i'm very much in the headspace of michael hyatt but also i feel like michael hyatt is great at a thing that i'm bad at and do you know what that thing is zach what's that just making it rain money for absolutely <laughs> no reason <laughs> In, in all my years and in all my books, I've failed to really make it rain money in the way that Michael Hyatt could, could do in his prime. And I feel like even in a way that more – I know a lot of people bought McLaren's books like early on, but I feel like McLaren was a one-trick pony. Like, and he's done the one trick, and like he, he's kind of done. So he's got nothing left. Let's take McLaren off the table. <laughs> Carmen, I'm not even sure if he's alive at this point or like if, if – I don't know what his status is right now. So um, – I, I don't know if I'm ready to enter into a book writing kind of s situation with Carmen. So I, I think, I think that just leaves Michael Hyatt and I think it would rain money and I would be, <laughs> I would turn into the kind of rich douche that I currently hate. And that would be the ironic twist at the end. It would ruin me as a person, but it would probably make me financially. You know what I mean? Now, w wouldn't it be awkward with, with especially Brian McLaren and Chaz Marriott because we, we actually wrote books uh, savaging both of them. That's right. At different times. <laughs> That's right. Carmen is the only one that we haven't really savaged in a book. So maybe, maybe that, maybe that makes the decision pretty easy. You know, maybe it's, maybe this is a Carmen situation. You know, maybe I'm looking at Carmen. Maybe we could make the champion too. Oh, you know? um, I don't know. I like boxing. He likes boxing. There could be some overlap. So let's talk about dinner. Um, and I want to, I want to actually hear you on this too. Like of those three guys, Michael Hyatt, Carmen or McLaren, who do we want to have dinner with? And let's make it a, Let's make it a joint dinner. You and me and, and these guys. Um, Dude, Carmen all day long. I think Carmen all day long. And let, yeah, let's take Michael Hyatt off the table for sure. I feel like he would be insufferable at dinner. Um, McLaren? 
I feel like McLaren would know some like good hipster foodie restaurants. Like we'd probably get a good meal with McLaren. Although he might be like vegan and that would be a that would be a hard no too. Um yeah, I I think it's Dude, I think dinner with Carmen would be bananas. Dude, with Carmen, like, you're going in the back entrance and getting yes, walked dude. through the kitchen for sure. Dude, you're having like, you know, tomato bread as a little appetizer. You're doing the plate of like antipasto. You're doing like all the stuff, man. All the courses. It would be decadent. It would be long. You know, at some point, he, he's going to be laughing the the real kind of hard maniacal uh, like on Goodfellas the way Leota laughs. Dude, if we could have gone to dinner with Carmen when we were still single, too, like, it would have rained women. That guy pulls, like, rope. You know what I mean? Like, even at age, even at age, like, 94 or whatever even he is Even at now, age like, ambiguous, like he is right now. Age, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so if we could have gone to dinner with Brian McLaren while we were still young single men, I mean, forget about it. That would have been, or not McLaren, uh, uh, Carmen, Carmen, yeah. That would have been, now, McLaren, that would have been I, ridiculous. I, I, I would... I'd have to just wear noise canceling headphones the whole time. I can't, I yeah, can't take yeah. it. I really can't. Dude, no, yeah, no way. I'd want to do dinner with McLaren. I feel like dinner with Hyatt for you and me, it would have resulted in some great material that we would have grafted into the Chaz Marriott book. Ooh. But I don't know that that book could be any funnier. I mean, we we got all the material we needed somehow. Some. I think we'd get a great uh, app if he gave us permission to just record the conversation. <laughs> it would be an incredible app. It would be so good. Um, yeah, so that's the deal. So I guess dinner with uh, with Carmen, and I would do a book with Michael Hyatt. Dude, let me because I want to I want to be rich. FX Turk yeah. uh, put two questions up, so let me just close okay. the, real quick one of them so that we only have one for next time. He asked, mm-hmm. "Who would you rather have write the forward to your next book, Barney Piper <laughs> or FX Turk?" Oh wow! I feel like he's kind of putting me on the spot with that. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, Zach? I do. I, mean, that's... I do. That's like a, that's a business question. It involves two of my friends. Um, man, that's uh, you got to remember that Barnabas one. Piper has not like withdrawn entirely from public life, so he probably could that's pull true. more readers. So, in a sense, Frank Turk is wanting me to like resurrect him from a public standpoint. Mm. So this would be this would be less about me and more about like the reemergence of FX Turk as a public figure. Um, so I, I got to take that aspect of it into account. Piper would definitely bring me more readers. Um, but if I wanted to take this on as a project and I wanted to kind of be the guy to like usher Turk back into all the Zach and he, and here's where it gets dicey from a conscience standpoint. Okay. So all the fame, all the decadence, all the excess that Turk enjoyed when he was, you know, kind of at the height of his, his, you know, blogging powers back in the day. I don't know if I want that on my conscience. Mm. I don't know if he's ready for the lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but if he if he wanted to do that, I would like to be the guy to bring him back into that. So um, I'm going to say FX Turk, which is the answer that he wants, but also the answer I think that I want. So you're thinking you, you'd sense. kind of uh, you'd kind of Tarantino him? I would. Yes, he would be. Who would he be in the in the universe of Tarantino? Like he would be sort of like, well, not uh, somebody who who had kind of fizzled out, but somebody who had yeah. kind of retired and then come back. I'm thinking like, uh, oh, good grief, the uh, Kung Fu, the Legend Continues guy who was on uh, Kill Bill. What was his name? David Carradine, or David Carradine. Yeah, I mean the easy one is is Travolta, but he had kind of fizzled. It was more like on him than than. Um, yeah, dude, maybe I'd resurrect him. I'll, he's a, uh, I'll he's, no, he's the Daryl. He's the Daryl Hannah. 
Yes, the Daryl Hannah. And you know what? They look a lot alike, too. <laughs> oh, so I don't know who you're yeah. insulting. Dude, I'm kidding. I'm not insulting any of them. I, lo- I love both people. So, Daryl Hannah, if you're listening, or your family, the Hannahs, great people. Um, <laughs> oh, the, dude, the Hannahs the, in Montana. Okay. Very quickly, Kevin F. Foley yeah. asks, what's with the latest with Silverdome movie, and how can I watch it? Kev. Uh, Kev, here's the deal, man. Um, I'll, I'll say to you what I've been saying for the past three years vis-a-vis the Silverdome movie, and it's, it's true. It's not, a, it's not a fabrication. We are in post-production. Thankfully, we're nearing the, the end of the edit itself. Uh, that's been a function of, uh, at times, dwindling funds. At other times, uh, our director, who makes his living in television, just being busy with other shoots and other projects. But um, he is working hard on it. We're almost done. Um, Lord willing, you can see it on a streaming platform in 2020. I'll, I'll be safe and just say 2020, but um, I, I think that's realistic. So uh, thanks for asking, man. It's I'm touched that people still remember that that was a thing that I was working on. So um, yeah, Lord willing, one of these days here soon, we'll see it. We have the money that we need now, which is great. And uh, now it's just a matter of, of carving out the time to really um, to really get it finished up. But uh, But yeah, we're excited. Nice. Awesome, man. Yeah. That's about a third of the questions. So, uh, baby, a third? No, that, that's incredible. That's nearly half of them. There are quite a few, though. Okay. Oh, there's like three more ah, from Turk. Right. I was wrong, but we'll hit those next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a whole Frank Turk episode <laughs> in which we, in a sense, we are bringing him back into the right? public eye, yeah. um, just via all the questions that he left on on the Facebook page. Um, baby, this has been fun, man. I enjoy, um, I enjoy talking with you, first of all. But uh, I, I like this whole like. By, by curious bi-weekly thing that we're that we're doing here on the program I, I would like to i'd like to continue in that lifestyle i don't know if that's too forward of me but i'm i'm guessing and i'm hoping that you feel the same way well let me suggest this man i did the math right and we okay. this is episode 112 and if you mm-hmm. look at the number of months that have passed since yeah. uh november of uh 2014 we mm-hmm. already average like 2.1 episodes per month which means we See, we've like actually that. been closeted by podcasters this whole time. We're just actually coming out with it and announcing it that that's who we are. We are in a sense embracing who we always were. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Aren't we? Isn't, and isn't yeah, that brave? Yeah. Is isn't that so brave of us? Uh, baby, we are brave, and uh, we have done what brave <laughs> we have done what brave people do, um, which is to talk into their computers for nearly an hour. <laughs> wandering to and fro throughout these important topics and we will see you next time <laughs> that was great. I'm glad that was-